Hi, and welcome to Comchurch Talks. This is our sermon of the day. We pray that it will be a real blessing to you. I know you'll be encouraged, challenged, and uplifted by the talk that you're about to hear. Thank you. Thank you. We, we honor you, pastors. We, we, um, we have a close affiliation to you. I remember the first time we met, and we went home saying, those guys, the real deal. Amen. Yeah, real deal. So we, we um, have a kindred hearts, and we love you dearly. Um, we want to honor Dawn, that's in, and JJ. We go back years to when we were children, and my dad would take us to London, which was like the other side of the world for me. <laughs> um, and Dawn was in Trumpets of Zion, and they would make a sound like trumpets in harmony that we were like, yo, those girls are cool. And it was revolutionary. And we were, came from a choir called Remission. And we hadn't made an impact in our days, but when we came and heard you guys, you just, you, your worship, it was what, what ministered to us the most, is the way you worshipped with that sound. So I honour you today, babe, because we don't honour each other enough sometimes. And we see each other and we go on. But I want to honour you publicly because you made a stamp that cannot be erased in many people's lives. And so will your son and sons go on to do the same. Because God promised us generationally blessings. So we honor you all because you're all precious. And if, if we know you and you say, oh, well, I know you too, we honor you. <laughs> honor you. And honor you, Mom. You know, we've been on a very interesting. Why are we so far apart, babe? I know. <laughs> I need you. <laughs> We, we've been on a very interesting journey, um, one that we wouldn't have chosen ourselves, and God does that sometimes. He allows us to go. He doesn't, he doesn't put um, sickness on us. It's not like that to punish us or anything like, like that, but he allows us because he's in everything that we go through because that's the operative word that you go through, to come through. Every test has a testimony on the other side. And we went through a very interesting season. Um, it was on the 17th of June, last year that um, we went to an, a, an event, a 50th birthday celebration by a friend, um, a friend of ours called Bumi uh, through the Nigerian community in our church in City Gates in Ilford. And she had a 12 o'clock big shindig with lots of guests from all over the country. And then we were going to get ready to go to an evening event, which was the honoring um, meal for all the volunteers in the church. About, I think, 170 people was, was, was it, it was going to be for, for in the evening. So it was an ordinary day. We went, and um, Esther, and I'd like to honor my daughter, Esther, who's also here. Esther, just wave, because I know you all stand. <laughs> and my daughter, Esther, was the youngest of two. The other one is somewhere at Center Parks, which I think is near here. She, she got married and had a, a first, made us grandparents for the first time. And we, we're loving that world. But um, we dropped Esther off that, mo that morning or afternoon to get to the, this 12 o'clock event. And we sang the song, His Eye is on the Sparrow, because that's the song that uh, for me, for her 50th, she really loved that song, asked if we could minister it, and we did. And I remember singing, and I remember the anointing that 
it was just tangible, you know, when you really connect with heaven. And we left there, after eating, we left there to go pick my car from the service station that was being serviced. And as I walked to the car, I said to Steve, I don't feel too good. So what transpired is that before I got home, I got worse. Steve helped me up the stairs. And the next thing that I remember is an ambulance coming, because Steve calls an ambulance. And uh, he said to me that I heard you scream. He told me this after I came through. He said, I heard you scream. And I never screamed, so he knew it was serious. He said, and when I came, ran up the stairs, you were pushing your back into the wardrobe as if to stop the pain in your back. And you kept on saying these words, I will live and not die. I will live and not die. I will live and not die. You kept on saying that over and over again. Now, two weeks prior to me going through that, didn't say it in the first service, because uh, just to get the whole story, but this is important. Two weeks prior to this happening with me, I had a dream, and Steve was the only one I shared it with, where in the dream, we were in a hotel lobby on the top, on the first floor, where to go down some stairs and over an elevator to get to the lobby. And we were about to descend the stairs when two evil spirits appeared across the balcony from where we were and called our names. And they called my name specifically and said, we have a a death warrant with your name on it. And it fired a homing dart, a poisonous dart across the balcony that I had to run for my life. The first dart missed me. Just I did one of those matrix moves because it's a dream. You can do that kind of thing. <laughs> but the second one hit. And I, and I fell to the ground and Steve grabbed me as I fell and started calling my name. The first thing that started going was my hearing. I was hearing him less and less calling my name. Then the light, the, my vision started going and the light became dimmer and dimmer and I knew in the dream I was dying. And I could hear these two evil spirits across the balcony laughing, this evil, shrieking laugh. And I remember thinking as I was dying, I will live and not die. I will live and not die. And I began saying over and over again, I will live and not die. I will live and not die. And the more I said it, was the more strength came into my body that the, the dart that was sent to kill me, the faith began to reject the poison that the enemy had sent against me. And my faith rejected so much that my earring came back, my vision came back, and I came back to full life. I will live and not die. And the more I said it, the more the demons became angry because they could see that I connected to some faith. The faith in God, the word of God that was alive in me. And I began to worship in the dream and began to sing out loud because I knew I had the victory. Two weeks later, this sickness hit me and I began to die. I went into a coma, got into hospital, went into a coma and I was dying. My body was shutting down. One of the things that Steve did before they wheeled me through, before I went into a coma, he called Lara, who's one of my best friends. Um, and she said to me afterwards, she said, you said, I've seen the face of death. She said, and you kept on saying, but I will live and not die. 
I, I have no recollection of that. She said, you kept on saying that, but I will live and not die. I will live and not die. Because sometimes it's good to know the word of God over your life because his word is power. Because you have what you say. Because if you confess that I'm sick, you'll be sick. If you confess that I'm dying, you will die. And if you confess that I'm not good enough, you won't be good enough. But when you confess what God's word says, you will always have the victory. Because his word is power and life. Trust me. So speak life and kill strife. So... I went into coma. The next thing that happened, as I fell into coma, I have no, no recollection, Steve will fill in the gaps, is that I woke up in the most glorious garden I've ever experienced in my life. And I knew it was heaven. I knew. Because the absence of fear, the absence of worry, the absence of the smell of decay and all the things we fight on this earth, worry, strife, sin, unforgiveness, sickness, disease, the absence. It was pure peace, pure light, pure love, waves and waves and waves of love waves of peace. My hearing was perfect. You could hear the sound of birds singing. You could hear the grass as it just, in the breeze of the glory, just waved. And everything had a sound of praise to it. Praise and adoration. It was glorious is the only way I can describe. Glorious. And I looked behind me and I could see a, a fig tree was a feature in this part of the garden. It was beautiful. Its, its branches and leaves spread across the sky and the tree trunk, the kind, the kind of brown and greens I've never seen before. Even the grass and the flowers, colors I've never seen before. The only way I can describe the colors was HD, high definition of a highest degree. The kind of definition you don't see down here. It was glorious. Everything was picturesque. The sound, the peace, the love, the sight of beauty. Now, what I didn't get to say in the first service is that my father came from behind the tree and embraced me. And I looked up in the tree and the first thing my dad said before I looked up in the tree, he said, he said to me, he hugged me and said these words, everything is going to be okay. You're going to be okay. Now, after I came back, I realized I had to hear that because I had to know what I had to keep on confessing once I had to go through recovery because it's been a long road to recovery. But back to the, vision, the, the dream and the vision and the, of, of God's garden, the place I was, because it wasn't a vision, it was a place. I looked up in the tree and I could see angels sitting in the tree, beautiful garments of white, glorious garments of white. And what I noticed about the angels at different levels of the tree is that they had their hair, it was like it was twirled with gold in between their hair. And... I'm a, I'm a girl, so my, I'm, attention to detail is big for me. Some people, some men will probably notice the gold, but I noticed the gold. It was a big deal for me. 
I was like, wow. And to the right of the tree was a huge angel, bigger than the ones that were in the tree. And the, 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 the angel that stood at, stood at the right of the tree, his wings were folded. And they all looked down at me as to say, are you okay? And they smiled. And their smiles just spoke peace. It was undeniable, the peace that was resounding in that beautiful heavenly garden. Peace, peace, peace. Can you, if you can imagine peace having a sound, peace. It just went through my body. And unconditional love. And then the angel said to me, that so many things happened in the garden, I haven't got time. We, we are doing a, a, a book out of it. So many people said, could you write what you saw and heard? So we're actually doing that through a, a, a ghostwriter that we know in, in Eastbourne. But the angel took me by the hand and said, can I show you something? And he took me, and we sat on the, the grass. And what was... Um, revolutionary for me and just a revelation rather for me was how close heaven was to earth in that the, the thin, thin film that separated heaven from earth was so close we don't realize we pray up there like heaven is miles away but it's so much closer than we think and I could look out like I'm looking at you from heaven and I could see people, and the angels showed me a church gathering. I could see people, and they were getting ready to worship, and they're talking, and, you know, just like we are now. And then the angel said, watch this. And he began to show me as, as rivers begin to flow from people's, the, the center of their, their being, like, from their hearts, rivers of water, which would he's called it a banner, just done to flow and flow from one person and bounce to the other. And I could see all these rivers flowing and bouncing. And everyone was connected by love. And the angel said to me, it's love. Because I didn't know what it was. I was like, wow, what's that? He said, love. Love connected us all. Love. The Bible does say to love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. So love bounce, and, and we were all connected, and people were talking and fellowshipping together and conversation and love. And as I looked closer, I began to see that the banners began to show discoloration, browns, blues, greys, blacks, and, and, and just change color, the perfect clearness, crystal clearness of the, the water of love, beams of love, banners of love that were flowing just began to be discolored, sent to the angel, why, why is that happening? And the angel said, offense, unforgiveness, anger, bitterness, strife, jealousy. And I said to the angel, wow. And the angel said to me, from the time they're born, the enemy has set a plan in motion through the family they're born in. Some people are born rejected, spoken down to, unwanted. It's a plan of the enemy. They go to kindergarten and they're hated by some of the teachers, some of the things that spoke over them, that you're not good enough, shunned because of your appearance, because of your culture. 
begins to sow seeds of bitterness. Then they go to school and they're offended by their friends. They're called names. We're called all kinds of things. We're rejected by our best friends. More bitterness. Then we go to our work and our jobs. More bitterness. Offense. Then we go to our church. That should love us. And bitterness comes in because I should be doing that and I should be, I should be recognized. And it's all a plan of the enemy to sow bitterness in our hearts, which taints our love for each other. And then what I saw, which frightened me the most, is that the church got up and began to worship. And as they worshipped with hands raised, the banner shot up to heaven and was still discolored. I was like, because we are walking in, in unforgiveness and bitterness, it affects our worship. That's why the Bible says to lay our, altar, lay our gifts at the altar, go make it right with our brother, then come back. There's a reason why it says that. And the angel said to me, he said, if only they got it. He said, the power they have to undo what the enemy has done because it takes 11 words of encouragement to undo one word of discouragement. So we have the, the, the power to encourage and encourage and encourage and encourage until we undo the bitterness in each other. Forgive and let it go. He said, don't take offense. Refuse it. He said, and forgive and let things go. And let the love that we have for each other begin to flow pure again. And this is what got me the most. He said, if the church gets this, their prayers will never be hindered. Never be hindered. It's a lie of the enemy. It's a plan. He's got a plan in motion. You think about the people that's hurt you. You think about the systems that's hurt you, the, the workplaces, the, the universities, the college, the schools, the teachers that's rejected you. All a plan of the enemy to keep you captive so that you can have your prayers hindered and think, why is God not hearing me? But let it go. Let it go. Shake it off and defeat the enemy so that he has no more control over you and your walk in the spirit is pure. And as we walk as an army of purity, advancing the enemy has to retreat because we are victorious through the name of Jesus. He has to retreat, but you've got to let it go. Stop looking at each other with side eyes. Start looking at each other with the eyes of love that comes from the Father. The next thing the angel said, he said, watch this. And as he said that, I heard behind me, whoosh. And I looked behind and I saw this huge river flow from behind me into the earth and began to wrap its way. I'm not, I, I, could, I should do sound effect, but it was like this. Whoosh, 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 whoosh. And I saw as it was 
wrapping itself around every person I could see. It was out in the street. It was out in the supermarket. It was out in the workplaces. It was out in the colleges and universities. It was in the church. Everyone was wrapped in this beautiful banner, just crystal banner, river that flowed from heaven and it covered everyone from the, from the crown of their head to the sole of their feet like a duvet cover. Everyone was covered. And I said to the angel, wow, what is that? Because it was so beautiful to see, so majestic. And the angel said, that's God's love. And I said, but it's wrapping itself around everyone because... In our thinking, it's like, does everyone deserve God's love? And the angel said to me, God's love is unconditional. No condition to it. He loves us just the same. Even when we think we haven't read our Bibles enough, we haven't walked with God as well as others, we don't sing as well as others, we don't quite reach the mark, she has a better life, he has a better life than me. He loves us unconditional. The people at our work that we think I just don't like, he loves them just the same. Which means that we have got to love them through the eyes of Christ just the same. Because everyone needs the Lord. Everyone needs the Lord. And the only Jesus they're going to see sometimes is through us and the way we live. And it moved me, just the, the power of God's love. And it changed me because I, I woke up out of that coma completely different, different, completely transformed. You can ask Steve. I, it's kind of things that used to upset me and used to ugh, set me back. I don't, I don't get phased anymore. Just let it go. Every day we're given the opportunity to take offense, and I say I choose not to take it. No, thank you. <laughs> then you present something else. No, thank you. I'm just not taking it because I know my worth. I know the word of God. I know who I am. That's not my portion. The third thing the angel showed me, and this was key for the young people. A lot of them has gone to church, but the parents, you are here, the children's church. I saw a youth group, and there was a young man, a youth leader, affirming the young man in his youth group and telling him about the favor of God and how anointed he is and how blessed, and you can do it. And as he was talking and really affirming the young man in this, in this, in this youth group, I heard behind me a pop and a rustling, and as I turned, I saw that a, a fig in the fig tree came into full being, was birthed in the tree by the pop, and came into full fruit. And I said to the angel, wow, what just happened? The angel said, when we affirm the young men and women, our children and our children's children, it produces life and light, it produces life and fruit, sorry, life and fruit in heaven. He said, this is how important it is to God because this is the generation that will usher in the coming of Jesus. Wow. So if you think about what I just said about the enemy's plan, Think about the things that he's put in place. The angel said to me, they are living in the worst time ever where evil is rife. 
The enemy, just as God has a plan, the enemy has a plan set in motion for our children. You think about, I live in London, how many deaths in the month of April? How many knife and, and gun crime in one month? How many throughout the year? Last year, the devil is a liar. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, but I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. That is the power that we have through the name of Jesus. So we can undo what the enemy has done, what he's trying to do. We speak to our children and say, you are kings and queens. You are called, anointed by God to make a difference. That what is in you can never be erased. You are brought up, you're, you're called out of the ordinary into the extraordinary because of the power of God that is alive in you. And as we speak life into them, we erase what the enemy has planted as seeds and dig up the lie of the enemy and put in the fruit of Almighty God that comes from heaven. It comes through our mouths, moms and dads. It comes through our mouths because what we speak is life and fruit that comes from heaven. So every child, that you see, it doesn't matter what age, we've just become grandparents, and I've already began speaking over my grandchild, Steve, saying, you're blessed, you're anointed, let the spirit receive it. Little toddlers, tell them how blessed are you, are called, appointed. We started to do that with my daughter. Let her know who you are. You, we named you Esther for a, for a reason, because you are a queen. You are called, chosen, appointed for such a time as this. Know who you are. She was going down the trend of tweeting and, and BBMing. BBMs were famous in those days when she was about um, 13 year old. But now all the other mediums, am I right? And she was like going with her friends, oh, life is rubbish, don't want to do this, I'm just bored. And I called her into the bathroom one day, I said, listen to me, do you know who you are? Let me tell you who you are. You don't follow the crowd. You are not a follower. You are a leader. And you lead by example because God has made you the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath. Let me tell you about your value. And I began to speak to her of how the devil tried to take her when she was five months old and myself and her dad prayed over her bed in a hospital when she was trying to be, when he tried to take her out with bronchial pneumonia and we said she will live and not die and miraculously six days later we took her home. It was a miracle the doctor said we've never seen a baby with that kind of bronchial pneumonia recover and leave because it, a year ago one of the nurses said, my daughter, who was the same age, died, and we buried her. She told me that before Esther recovered. I think I really need to hear that. But you know what? By faith, she's going home, and she's coming home with us. Not home yet, Evan. She's coming home with us. I'm going to hand over to Steve, who's going to talk about everything else, but the in-betweens, but... Heaven is real. It's a real place. And those of us all that's lo lost loved ones, let me tell you, the beauty that they are seeing and experiencing, the joys of heaven, it's joy unspeakable and full of glory. 
It's a real place. The bad news is, hell is a real place. And that's why the time is short. We've got to get as empty hell as much as possible in that those around us, in our homes, in our streets, in our, in our colleges, in our universities, in our jobs, we need to speak life, show them the love of Christ, the love banner that bounds from each of us. Once we say, God, I let everything go and make everything about you, my life, my love walk in you, the spirit alive in me because of your love, you know what? The passion for others will come alive. And we'll begin to minister to our neighbors and our friends and our family that don't know Jesus. And when they see the transformation in us and when they see and that we're, we're, we're talking to them out of a place of love and compassion, not condemnation, but love and compassion, they will come to know Jesus. One of my neighbors died before I went through all this, and she didn't know Jesus, and I remember I took her under my wing, and I led her to the Lord. She prayed the sinner's prayer with me, gave her CDs and books, and she had cancer, and just before she died, uh, the Holy Spirit said, go to the hospital. So I said, well, Dad, I said, God, but Father, I went there yesterday, and I already said goodbye to her. The Holy Spirit said again, go to the hospital. When I went to the hospital, she was still unconscious. She was, she was unrespondent for three days. I took her hand, and, a, and her son and daughter were there, and they still didn't come in because they knew how much she loved me. Nicola was her name. And I took her hand, and I said, I said, Nicola, I was told to come here. I said, just want to remind you that God's got this. I know you can see things that we can't see. I know that you're still worried about your kids, but remember... What you can see, the father that you can see now getting ready to bring you home, he's going to take care of your family. Don't worry, you can go, babe, you can go. She hadn't responded for three days. She was in a coma. She opened her eyes, turned and looked at me, smiled, squeezed my hand, and died. Breathed her laugh and went with her father into her eternity. I believe God gave me that opportunity because I didn't want to go to the hospital. But it was Laura that said to me, Laura Martin, she said, I believe that she knew she was going and asked to see you to say thank you. Because had you not led her to Jesus, she wouldn't have had that. So she may have asked for you. And God, that's why the Holy Spirit said, go. And she had the opportunity out of a coma to wake up, squeeze my hands and breathe her last and went we don't know who needs the load in our streets. We went back to our streets and we gave out cards every year. Come, babe, you're next. We're coming, babe. <laughs> and we gave out cards every year on our streets for 11 years, telling people the love of God. Jesus is the reason for the season. Jesus loves you. And one of the neighbors just ran and ran us down and said, why do you always give us cards and gifts every year and, you don't, and we don't give you one in return? I said, we don't give to receive. We give because we love because when God gave Jesus, he gave his best. And she was like, oh, I get it, I get it, okay. So the next year, she never asked any questions. The next year, after she never asked any more questions. Her husband died last year. And then another neighbor died. And that made, with Nicola, that made three on our street. Had we not evangelized with those cards, we wouldn't have made an impact. 
But the first, number one, when Patu died, he said to us, we've never met neighbors like you ever who walk in so much love and shoulder so much love. What love? The love of Christ. You make a difference. Make a difference with each other. Don't hold on to any offense. Let it go. People at work that offend you, make them a sandwich. Make them a cup of coffee. Kill the, the, the strife with love. Don't think, why are you doing this? Just do it. And let them see the love of Jesus and get them saved. Because our love walk, the pastors, our pastors here, their job is to, to, to do what they do on a Sunday and then you go out and do the rest because they can't go into your workplaces and do anything. You are the evangelists that go out and make a difference. They provide a place here for you to be fueled. You go out and make a difference. I've come back different. I think different. I can no longer be the same and I'm changed. And there's my good looking husband who's gonna take over from me. Well, when Val was on holiday in heaven, some of us were interceding for her. Arise and shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord is risen on you. It's amazing, every time I sit and I hear Val relay this story, we just pause and we say, God, thank you. Thank you for mercy. Thank you for love. I am so convinced that God keeps you on this planet because of purpose. So part of the story that we don't often tell, and that is when Val took ill, I was supposed to be flying out to Switzerland the very next day. Why was I flying out to Switzerland? Well, I was flying out to do yet another project for the Chinese community. Now, it's amazing, over the last 12 years, God has opened up incredible doors for us in China. Often we cannot talk about what is happening for the security of the people. But let me give you some stats. Many, many years ago, um, we were called, and the, the, the Chinese community said, would you help us put this album together for us. We heard about what you do, and we need your help. Little did we know what we were walking into. But cutting a long story short, we are now working with this incredible organization, and they send out resources of worship to the Chinese community. And I remember once I was flying into Israel, and they stopped me at the border, and they said, Mr. Thompson, um, we're looking at your passport. Why are you in Israel? I said, well, I'm a producer from the United Kingdom. I produce black gospel music, but I'm here in Israel producing an album for China. They looked at me and they said, can you say that again, please? And I looked at them and I thought, yes, if I was you, I wouldn't let me in either. Well, let me give you some stats. We honor God for opening up incredible no doors, not because of Stephen Velar, but because of these walks and steps of obedience. Right now in China, every day, because of the great evangelism and because the Lord's return is imminent, they've given us stats that every day, between 14 and 16,000 people are coming to the Lord. Every day. Day. 
Now, that's like a mega church being birthed every day. The reason why I wanted to give you that backdrop is because when the enemy attacks you, it's not your life, but the purpose of your life. The calling upon your life. Therefore, whenever a church goes through crisis, whenever a church goes through a crisis where the enemy attacks you, all you got to do is look at the plans of the church and how God is about to use the church and that is what the enemy will attack. And myself and Val, I, I was looking at her lifeless body in this CCU. Now, those of you that have dealt with a, a loved one that is struggling with her health, the CCU is not a great place to be. And I remember every day, myself and Esther, we had a routine. We'd get up in the morning, we'd worship, we'd wash ourselves, and we'd go to the hospital. We'd look over Vel's body, we'd pray. We'd go home, we'd pray, we'd go back to the hospital. It then became twice a day. After about day two, you know those moments when you're saying, God, how long? We've been praying, but how long? But we had the witness in our spirit that this that Val was going through was not unto death. Now, I've got to say, the question that we've been asked after Val came through was still being asked today. Why does God heal sometimes and not other times? That's a major question. And we are never too quick to answer. What we do say is, through what we have gone through, God is love. God is merciful. But God saves and delivers and keeps you on this planet because of purpose. So we sent out, by the way, let me just say, I thank God for Facebook. I thank God for social media. Oftentimes we misuse these incredible advantages we have to get messages out very quickly. So I got onto Facebook and we sent a letter out to all our prayer intercessors in Australasia, in America, in Taiwan, all around the world. So we had the world praying for Velveeta. The messages coming back, they were so heartwarming, but we also, we also got a few messages from a few friends. We call them the Job friends. You know those friends, they say a lot, but it's disconnected with what's really happening. Can I just encourage you, know your friends, but because when you go through trauma and difficulty, that's when you really discover who your true friends are and who's also walking on that journey with you. Life is a journey, isn't it? And there comes times when people step away from you. We've learned over the years, that's okay. It simply means this next phase, God's gonna bring some other people. We discovered some incredible people. One in particular, we speak about him all the time. He was an associate pastor of the church that we attend and his name is Gareth Sherwood. And it's amazing. Sometimes I'd walk into the hospital and Gareth would stand beside me and he wouldn't say a word. But I could feel the anointing when he hugged me. I could see the anointing when he hugged my daughters and said, it's going to be okay. Can I also tell you that Gareth is also a trained medical doctor. He didn't tell us until the Thanksgiving day that Val had 40% chance of survival. I remember being in that room when they called us together. And I'll never forget that awful day 
when they said, Mr. Thompson, my mother was there, my mother-in-law, my daughters, and other family members. And they said, well, she's not moving her right arm. She's not moving her right leg. We think she's had a stroke. My eldest daughter, who was expected, um, pregnant at the time, she started hyperventilating. But I remember sitting in that room when the doctor then went on to say, oh, she's got meningitis. She's got a bleed on the brain. And they went through all these prognostics and a tear did not fall from my eye. And I remember sitting there thinking, Steve, everything you've taught, everything you've preached, even the songs you've sung, do you really believe those songs? And I remember my mentor, he said, we don't often tell lies, but we sing lies. I get what he means now. Lord, I give you my... We sing, but do we truly trust God with our lives? And we went through a major testing time. Do we really trust God for Vel's healing? So I remember as the doctor went through the list of things, his assistant then turned to us and said, shall we get you a priest? Now I remember my brother who is a pastor was in the room and so was Gareth. I said, it's okay, we've got enough pastors in the room. And right now, what's a priest going to do? <laughs> But they were following procedure, but we were also following spiritual procedure. There's a room that we had at the hospital, it's called the waiting room, we called it our prayer room. And in this room we worshipped and we worshipped and we worshipped. Only two at a time was allowed to go to the bed. Then one day myself and Esther were on the way to the hospital and I just felt, I need to worship, we need to worship. So when we arrived at the hospital, I said to the nurse, would it be okay if I brought my guitar in? I'd like to play over my wife. And I saw she gave me that look in terms of, did you say guitar? Now, those of you that know a CCU unit, I mean, the critical care unit, how often have you seen someone playing a guitar in a critical care unit? So she said, let me talk to the senior doctor and I'll see if it's okay. She then came back and said, they said, it's okay, you can bring your guitar in. And I remember standing over Val with my guitar. You see, when you have faith, you will always have fear. I don't think one can work without the other. We had moments of fear, moments of anxiety. And I think every time we tell this story, we must be very honest. There were times when we were struggling. God, you said in your word, also, we remember the prophetic, the prophetic words that's been spoken over us. We have a vision board in our room. And we learned many years ago, when God has actually prophesied a word through a prophet over you, you cannot die until that prophetic word has been fulfilled. So we knew that there were still a few things that we were going to do together. And I remember saying to God, it's so funny. I was talking to God like I was talking to my brothers. And I said, God, I don't plan on doing this again. I don't want to go through this whole thing again, meeting another person. I know you love Velveeta, and I love her too. Please don't take her yet. We want to fulfill the vision. And I remember, as myself and Esther was in the hospital, and I'm going to call up in a moment, there we were just worshipping over Vel. And something said, just draw the curtains to give the other patients some privacy. So I drew the curtain, and we're there worshipping Jesus. And I want to talk a little bit about your worship at home. How does your worship sound when you're waiting? It's easy to worship when things are going great. 
But when you're challenged, how does your worship sound? And I was challenged with that. Steve, you've taught, you've done seminars, you've called people into worship, but now I'm listening to the sound of your worship. So as we drew the curtain, we started worshiping. I could see the curtain moving. And something says, just go and look behind the curtain to see what's happening. So as I pull the curtain, I could see three nurses and one doctor just listening in. <laughs> it was amazing. And they said, we've heard nothing like this before. The atmosphere is beautiful. Continue playing. So as we continued worshiping, we were leaving the hospital and the nurse came running and she said, Mr. Thompson, the other patients, the family member says, when you come back in, can you play over them too? So I said, that would be my joy to play over them. So it's amazing. Day three, when I was walking in with my guitar, the nurses went, concert, concert, concert. <laughs> Let me emphasize, because of the goodness of Jesus, men are drawn to salvation. So the demonstration right there in the hospital was very important for the nurses, the doctors, to see why we were praying. Do you know what? We don't often get to tell this part of the story. Three days in, the doctor said, I can see what's happening here. It's very unusual. We are now writing a paper on therapeutic music. Can we talk with you about it? So now doors have opened up in the NHS where what they would call therapeutic music. We know it is therapeutic. But it's a lot more than that. Can I encourage you? When you meet here to worship, you don't know who's sitting beside you. You never know who's sitting beside you. When we worshiped at home, can I just say in 26 years, we never go to bed without praying together. We wake up in the morning and we worship. So Velvia is in a, she's comatized. We could not communicate verbally, but somehow... I knew our spirits were connected. So every day we'd go in, we'd worship. I remember being once in the waiting room, our prayer room. And I said to the team, let's just say Psalms 23 together. So about 10 of us was in the room. We started, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down. And as we said, we could feel the atmosphere changing. So I said, let's change the words. Let's now focus our words on Velveeta. The Lord is your shepherd. Do you know the atmosphere was so tangible? When we came out of the room, the family next door, and there was always a family next door just waiting for news about the loved one. As we came out of the room, they came out with tears rolling down their cheeks. And they said, can we say thank you for the prayers you were praying over us whilst you were praying over Velveeta? Can I remind you, you never know who's sitting beside you. Worship is not about how we feel. Number one is what God gets out of it. But when we sing those songs of truth, these songs are songs of life. So as I'm worshiping at home, I heard the words, Daughter of Zion, awake. Daughter of Zion, awake. So I started singing and worshiping with those words. Daughter of Zion, wake up. Daughter of Zion, wake up. Then I called my friends in Taiwan. 
I called my friends in America and I said, can you join us with that prayer? Daughter of Zion, wake up. Now I must admit that morning, I, it was my lowest ebb. Having to carry my family members, calls coming through, how's Val doing? I'm carrying my daughters and I'm feeling the distance physically with my wife. I hit a lower ebb, but yet I heard, daughter of Zion, awake. And I remember I went into the hospital with my close friend with me. We were all gathered around the bed. I'll never forget looked at Val lying there still I'm going to call Esther up in a moment come on up Esther and I'll never forget as we held Val's hands and we said daughter of Zion awake Esther hi everyone um, excuse my speech I'm still getting used to my braces but um at this moment, uh, for quite a while, mum was slightly opening her eyes, like it was, she was squinting, but we, know that she, we knew that she wasn't focusing, so she was, obviously she was in her own little world with Jesus. But um, we, we came to the hospital, my dad and his friend Rob, and that was dad's one of, it was one of dad's lowest days, where in the morning he was just weeping like I was upstairs in my room and I could hear him weeping for ages and I called my sister saying we need to pray for dad because he's really feeling it um and that it was that day where his friend Rob came and there God will show me it's amazing how you can be at your lowest point but God still God still shows that he is still faithful um and we went to the hospital and it was my dad, Leisha, uh, sorry, my dad, his friend Rob, and I was at the foot of the bed. They were beside mum. And mum started opening her eyes just a little bit. And I remember dad, we were all praying over her. Dad was holding her hand. Um, I was just saying, daughter of Zion, wake up. Daughter of Zion, wake up. And uh, she, op she began opening her eyes bit by bit. And I remember you started counting when her eyes were like nearly fully open, dad started counting and it was just getting wider and wider. And I was like, oh, his mom is waking up. So I ran to the waiting room and I got my sister and I said, mom, like mom is, is waking up. She's waking up. So we ran back to the CCU and we saw that mom's eyes were still open. And literally there was no dry eye in the ward because like, it took a, yeah. Sorry. It was ages where we were able to just look into mum's eyes because she was just laying there unresponsive, but seeing mum waking up, it's like, oh, finally, finally, God is answering our prayers. And we could see that she began focusing and she started looking around the room. She looked at dad, she looked at me, she looked at my sister, she looked at Rob, and she was just focusing. She was realizing like, where she was. And that's when dad kept on saying to her, We've been praying for you, we've been praying for you. There's so many people around the world that's praying for you, and we were all just ecstatic that she was 
awake and it was just amazing seeing mum finally seeing us and I was, yeah, I was just completely in awe of God's, God's mercy. Yeah, it's amazing when Val opened her eyes, thank you Esther, and I said, Val, the world's been praying for you. Her words were, what for? She had no idea what was happening on earth, but I just wanted to pause by saying, every time we tell this story, we are, we are always aware. Some of you may be waiting for God to come through for a loved one. It's amazing how many churches and leaders, they say healing is of the past. But how many believe that God still heals today? Yes, he does. Jesus healed because of his compassion. And sometimes the reason why I think we do not see miracles is because we do not see Jesus as he is. Number two, it's important to know when your time is up because I believe as long as we are on this planet, it's because of purpose. You may be sitting in here thinking, I've got a loved one and I wish God had healed them. I can't answer why God heals sometimes and not other times. What I do know through what we have been through and other stories that we have heard, God is love. God is love. But his ways are higher than ours. His thoughts are higher than ours. And as Vel was saying, as she, every time Velvita tells the story of her journey and her first words to me was, Steve, heaven and earth is so close. That was her first words. For the first couple minutes, and I know Val will not remember this, but when she came around and I looked into her eyes, I knew that I knew I had to weigh my words very carefully because of where she was. But you know, we can have, we can have heaven on earth. Why? Because Jesus is on the inside. Can I encourage you as a church? We must start believing that God heals again. Our Sunday mornings, what is our expectation? Well, I believe there should be an expectation for salvation, for healing, for, for brokenness, for God to heal broken relationships. When we say healing for physical ailments, that is one form of healing. But some need healing of the mind, healing of the finances. Our lives can never be the same again and we will never ever tell the story without pointing back towards Jesus. Man cannot heal. Jesus heal, heals. This morning, you may not even know Jesus as your personal savior. Can I encourage you, get to know him, he is real. He is so, so real. Maybe you're struggling because you've got someone who's praying for healing. Stand in the gap this morning and say, Jesus, you are the healer. We're gonna lead you in a song in a moment and we're going to make an invitation for you to come forward for prayer. That is very important because I believe in this atmosphere, which has changed because some of you, I can see your faith is rising. Jesus, can you do it again? Yes, he can. Do you want to do it? Yes, he does. But oftentimes when heaven is silent, Jesus is waiting for our worship. Without a sound from the guitar, just for a few moments, without a sound, 
for myself and Velveeta. Can everyone in this building just stand to your feet? Let's start giving some honor, worship to Jesus. Go ahead, give him your praise. Can I, can I just, can I just ask if you are, if you are between the ages of, if you're in your teenage years, put it that way, if you're in your teenage years, can you, can you come to the front? I just want to speak a word of life over you. If you're in your teenage years, just, just come and stand to the front. Just, it's, it's, it, don't be afraid. We, we, we're just going to speak life over you because you are the generation. Yes. That's going to usher in the coming of Jesus. Yes, make your way to the front. Come on. You're the generation that's going to make the enemy scared. That's right. Once you get this, he's going to see you coming and he's going to run a mile. Yes, you are strong. I want you to know the authority that you have. The enemy. Who is the devil? He doesn't want you to know this. He doesn't want to know how called and anointed that you are. There is greatness in you. The kind of greatness, listen to me, the kind of greatness that will put thousands to flight. People will see you coming. And I know we've been, we've been across the world and we've seen many young people that don't realize their greatness. And they think, I'm just going to follow the crowds because they're my mates. You weren't made to be followers. You are made to be leaders. That when you lead, when you say, I'm not going to go that way. I'm going to go the way of the cross. It's a choice. It's a choice. Now listen to me carefully, young people. You are all generals in the kingdom. There's a mantle that's put on you that you don't even know. But I want you to see it in the spirit. Know this. There's a mantle that's on you. You are dressed in robes of righteousness, called by name from when you were in your mother's womb. God prepared you for a time such as this. You are kings and you are queens, called with purpose. And God wants you to get this. It doesn't matter what's been said about you. Forget the lies. I want to erase the lies. We, I pray over you that every negative word that has been spoken by your friends and those who don't like you cause, just because and turn their back on you, I erase that out of your life. And I ask Holy Spirit, just erase that in the name of Jesus. And I want you to know this, that the call of God that's on you is sealed in your bellies, in your spirit, man, that you, from this day, don't go feel I gotta go and just follow the crowd. Go out the doors and say, I'm gonna be a leader. I'm gonna be like a condo forget forever, you know? Do you see that film? <laughs> but we're gonna be kings in his kingdom, God's kingdom, not man's kingdom. In the kingdom of God. So you go up and say, Okay, in order to be a leader, I need to do this. Young men and women, listen to me. In order to be a leader, I need to do this. I need to know God's word. Because when you know God's word, then you, you don't listen to the masses that tell you who they think you are. You listen to who God says you are. Because who what God calls you, no man can erase. Because man will tell you one thing today and change their minds tomorrow. That's the way man thinks. But when God affirms you, 
No man can take away what God has affirmed. And I'm telling you this, that you are affirmed for greatness. You are called to greatness. So from this moment, make up in your mind, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go out and show myself as a leader. I'm going to show my friends I'm a leader. I'm not following you anymore. I, if you want to go the way that I'm going, which I choose the way of the cross, you can come with me. But don't influence me to do the things that you want to do. Be careful what you watch. Cut off some TV pro programs that influence the way you think. It's a plan of the enemy to sow seeds in you that was never meant to go in. Cut off those programs and allow God to reprogram what the enemy has tried to program you to think. I'm not good enough. I'm not good looking enough. I'm not educated enough. I don't know who I am. I don't know my identity. That's the lie of the enemy. Begin to watch programs that edify you. Let me give you some names of, when you come to church, it's a good place because you get good teaching here. Begin to listen to people like Stephen Furtick, who is a young man who's preaching the truth and the gospel. Listen to, if you want to give an older person, people like T.D. Jakes. And there are other people associated to them that you can listen to that gives you the truth that you listen to. It's on YouTube because the way the enemy makes it now, you can go on YouTube and, and, and Google one thing and lots of rubbish comes up to taint your spirit, man. And then when you see it, something goes into you that was never meant to be in you. I cleanse you of that in the name of Jesus. Everything that has gone into your mind that was meant to taint your spirit, I erase in the name of Jesus. And I say, you've got to make a conscious attempt to every time you pick up your phone, go to something positive. And then this is the other thing, your ear gate. Don't listen to everything that you hear. Every music that's out is not meant for you to, 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 to jive to. It's not meant, it's not meant for you. I'm not saying, I'm not saying everything. There's some things that are dark. And you know, if it's cussing, if it's cussing and pulling down, that's not meant for you. Some things, and listen to your parents. If your parents said, I don't feel this is good for you, listen to them. They are the, they are the, the, the over, overseers of your life while they're down here. Listen to your parents. So your eye gate, watch what you watch. Your ear gate, watch what you listen to. That the enemy does not get a hook in you that makes you confused about who you are. He's a liar. The Bible says he's a father of lies. There's no truth in him. So close your eyes. In the name of Jesus, I pronounce a blessing over these young men and women. I erase the lies of the enemy in the name of Jesus. Satan, they do not belong to you. They belong to Christ. You are defeated and Christ is alive in them now. In the name of Jesus, I declare that they will from this day choose to follow you, Jesus, with all their hearts, not half-hearted, and that they will realize that the, the quality, the anointing, the gifting, that they are the head and not the tail, 
they'll begin to realize that they are kings called by your name, generals in the kingdom, that the anointing that's on them is so potent because they're called to usher in the coming of Jesus Christ. I pray that they will link arms together as young people in this church and begin to advance and the enemy will scatter in the name of Jesus when he sees them coming because of the authority by which they're walking. I pronounce your blessing on their lives. I pronounce the blessing of God on their lives in the name of Jesus. You are blessed and highly favored in the name of Jesus. It is sealed. It is done. It is finished. Know who you are, guys. Know who you are. Go out. Go out singing and rejoicing. And every time the enemy tells you something different, say, excuse me, I know who I am. I'm a child of God. And just when the enemy hears you talk like that, he backs off. Because it's like, they got it. They got it. Oh my gosh, they've got it. Get it. I'm a child of God. I'm not listening to you anymore. I'm not watching that anymore. I'm not listening to that anymore. I am a child of God. Called, chosen, and appointed for such a time as this. Kings and queens, walk in that anointing. Walk in it. Walk in it. Thanks for listening to Com Church Talks. We'd love to hear from you, and you're welcome to any of our Sunday services or midweek comms. For more information or to contact us, please visit www.comchurch.org.uk or find us on Facebook. God bless.